Welcome to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith, along with my co-host, Adam Stellman. And today, we'll be reacting to a Week 13 win against the Los Angeles Rams. Adam, let's talk Seahawks. Well, we won. I think when we when were initially previewing this game, I think both of us said that this could be a trap game for the Seahawks, uh, which is like every other game we play this year. Um, but... Uh, and I thought it was going to be, I, I thought the game was going to be closer than you did, but neither of us, I think, thought the game was going to be this close. And uh, I got to admit, uh, this was un- unlike the game against the Raiders two weeks ago. I was in doubt the whole time. When we were down three points uh, with two minutes to go in the fourth, I thought, great, we're going to lose this game. Uh, and only because I had not seen Gino put together a drive like that. Uh, in the last two minutes of the game. As a matter of fact, uh, we hadn't uh, scored a single point in the last two minutes of any game this year. So apologies to Gino. I didn't have faith. I should have uh, because you've done nothing to prove people wrong all year. Uh, and you did it again. Congratulations. You are definitely the MVP of this season for the Seahawks. Yeah, I kind of had the same feeling as we were going down the stretch there. For the same reasons, we haven't been known as a team who can close it out. Obviously, we were proven wrong. So congratulations to the offense. Great play by Geno Smith. Congratulations to the defense, too, because the defense is the defense is what actually closed that game out. Yes, Geno got the go-ahead score. The offense did their job, uh, but we haven't seen the defense do that job either, and they did it this game. Yes, definitely. Uh, pass rush came in, got a sack, moved him back. They got a penalty, moved him back farther, and then our defense closed it out. Good interception by Cody Barton, closing the game out. Stepping up, being huge. Yeah. Continue to silence those Cody Barton haters. Yes. Yeah. We, well, I at least like Cody Barton here on this podcast. I know Adam has come and gone on the, and then come back to the Cody Barton issue, but Cody Barton stepping up, playing well. But that brings me to my point for my opening thoughts here on this episode. And that was the return of the man we didn't sign so that Cody Barton could step into that starting role. And that was... The return of Bobby Wagner against the Seattle Seahawks. You knew he was coming into this game with a fire in his belly. And you saw that early. I think it was first or second offensive play. Bobby Wagner had a sack. Yeah. And he finished this game strong. I mean, Bobby Wagner's Bobby Wagner. He has great intelligence, good athleticism, amazing football player. Hall of Famer in my book. Hall of Famer. If he's not a Hall of Famer in somebody's book, then they need to throw that book away. Yeah, (laughs) agreed. He ended this game with seven tackles, three tackles for loss, two sacks, an interception, and a pass breakup. That's a stat line any defender would be proud to hold. Congratulations to Bobby Wagner. That was a great game. I miss you on the Seahawks. I think it looks weird with you having 45 on your chest and Rams blue instead of Seahawks blue. I think I need to say, the re- I think the reason that I've been so down or up and down on Cody Barton is probably more about missing Bobby Wagner in that position because knowing what he's capable of. But again, Cody Barton continues to to prove me wrong and that he is a suitable replacement for Bobby Wagner there. Uh, and I'm uh, I'm happy that I'm being proven wrong. Nothing against Cody Barton. I just miss Bobby. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite Seahawks of all time. Absolutely. So Adam, we do these five keys to success for each game. And uh, how did we stack up with those keys coming out of that game against the Rams? Not good. Apparently the uh, the Seahawks coaching staff missed our podcast last week. 
So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to send it to them again uh, this week so they can they can get it right. They're probably just mad at how much I pick on Shane Walter. Well, I mean, he's a he's a grown man. He, he can toughen up, and and maybe if he did the right things, we wouldn't pick on him so much. Yeah, look. So just a quick, I'll read them off real quick. These were our five keys to success. Number one was dominate time of possession. Number two, eliminate the run game. Uh, number three, force them to throw outside. Number four, effectively utilize off tackle runs. And the last one, which will be our our fifth key to success moving forward, uh, until Shane Waldron is either gone or throws out any plays in his playbook that don't include multiple tight end sets, and that's utilize our tight end group. We kind of succeeded with the last one. You know, we we definitely did utilize our tight ends. I still don't think we utilized them as well as we could. Uh, we we didn't have uh, the majority of the game was not multiple tight end sets. Uh, we were definitely running uh, three wide receiver sets more often than anything else. Uh, this game, which I get that we have, uh, when you, when you have someone like Marquise Goodwin, you want to get him out there for plays, uh, and with as well as Lockett and DK were doing this game, it's it's hard to make an argument for pulling either one of them off the field. And I'm not making that argument. Uh, they're both stellar. However, when I was watching this game, and I, I haven't seen the All-22, but for when I was ticking off each and every offensive drive, uh, we did not have a single negative play on offense when we had multiple tight end sets. Not one. And the only time we didn't have a positive play on offense was when we were in the red zone and we threw that fade that was almost picked off to to Fant in the left side, the left corner of the end zone. But other than that, every single time we had multiple uh, tight ends out there, we got positive yards. Every single play. Why this isn't uh, noticed or 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 continued every single week, I have no idea because we uh, are harping on it and uh, I, I, we know they listen to the podcast, so. Uh, I'm just kidding, but um, but that's the only one. Uh, you look at time of possession; it was it was a pretty even split. Uh, we had the ball a little bit more, but not much, and certainly we did not dominate it in any way, shape, or form. Eliminate the run game. Well, they had 171 yards rushing, so I would say no. We didn't eliminate the run game. Forced them to throw outside. They lived in the middle of the field this game. We we talked about it last week. They were going to want to do crossing routes, uh, quick screens. And, and throwing up the seam with the tight end, which they did a lot. Tyler Higby had a good game. Uh, when they did throw outside, not successful. Uh, we had a pick, obviously, several pass breakups, which is why we said forced them to throw outside because we thought our, our corners could dominate in this game. Uh, well, let's see. Effectively utilize off-tackle runs. We didn't effectively run at all, uh, and part, part of that obviously is due to injury, which we'll get into. But, um, man, we still like to run up the gut. And it's not that I don't think that we can do that sometimes because obviously we've broken off some big plays up there. But moving laterally is going to spread that defensive out and create bigger holes. And when we have the tight ends that are capable of bookending that offensive line and blocking as well as they can, I'm looking at you, Disley and and Parkinson, I do not understand why we're not doing that more often. Yeah, especially with some of the internal offensive line issues that we've had. I know Lewis stepping up elevating his gameplay. We went over that last episode, but that right side and obviously what Austin Blythe has been doing. What has Austin Blythe been doing? Running up the gut behind an undersized center and underperforming right guard isn't necessarily a recipe for success, which is why we put utilizing off tackle runs in the keys because it stretches the defense wide. It takes the center and the guard out of the equation as much and it opens up what you can do 
Yeah, look, we're not going to be able to get away with what we did get away with if and when Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald returns this season. Uh, we got away with it a little bit this game, but if Aaron Donald is there for our next Rams game and we try and run up the gut, he's going to feast. Yeah, we lose this game if Aaron Donald plays. We lose this game if if uh, Tariq Woolen doesn't get an interception. I mean, one little thing goes the other way, we lose this game. That That's how too close this was for me. We set the five keys to success because that's what we think they need to do. Obviously, we're not the coaching staff, but we seem to be right more often than not. So we'll see going forward what happens. Let's take a look at how our defense performed. In my opinion, they got off to a very slow start. Kind of looked like they were rusty. I don't know if it was residual effects of this illness, this flu bug that went through the Seahawks locker room this last week. But honestly, Geno Smith was sick coming out of this illness, and he had a great game. I'm not sure what was going on. This defense took a long time to wake up. And they had a really slow start. That first drive by the Rams, they could have done anything they wanted on that drive. They did anything they wanted on that drive. Yeah, it looked bad. Yeah, I mean, the first two plays were positive runs up the gut. Cam Akers for eight, Cam Akers for seven. The point is they were not a successful run team coming into this, which is why we said we need to stop the run game because it seemed plausible. Rams offensive line, not great. Uh, and we knew it was coming. Because Shane, we knew that uh, their coach, Sean McVay, was going to want to run the ball to help out his quarterback that hadn't played yet this year. And yet somehow we still got gashed really early, really often. Yeah. What I do have to say about the defense, though, we had some good things late. Our pass rush stepped up late in the game. And really, that's when we needed it. Yeah, we kind of already said that that's, that's really what, I mean, as, as much credit as we want to give the offense for putting together that two-minute drive and giving us the go-ahead score, it was the defense being able to close the door late, something they hadn't done yet this season that won this game. Yeah, I think we had four sacks, and three of them came in the second half. I think two of, two of them came in the last two drives. Yeah, like I said, they stepped up late. They really showed out when they needed to show out. You mentioned Tariq Woolen's interception. I did. Amazing. I don't know why people try him. We saw for a couple games they definitely avoided him, and they did in this game as well. He baited that throw so hard, slid back in that zone, high-pointed the ball. You can really see the fact that he was a former receiver when he makes plays like he did in this game. I mean, he was doing it all game. Late, he almost had a second interception uh, on a route that he was giving, I think, a 10-yard bump to the receiver and was able to close so fast. He, he was able to knock the ball out. Had he been a little bit quicker, that's, that's a pick six. Yeah, especially with his speed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the man is just an athletic freak. He, he he now is tied for the league lead in interceptions, and he leads the league in takeaways. Yeah, he actually tied Earl Thomas for the Seahawks rookie interception record. He he, he surpassed it. He tied last week. He, he broke it this week. There you go. And anytime you can break a record held by Earl Thomas with the Seahawks, that's, that's a pretty good day for anybody. Yeah, man's a Hall of Famer, so uh, that's a pretty dang good start for Tariq Moore. Yep. And then we mentioned it earlier. Cody Barton closed it out for us, got that interception. Obviously, his desperation, it was like fourth and 19, but sealed it. He immediately went down, ended the game, did what he was supposed to do. Great job by Cody Barton to close that game out. Yeah. We, we, like you said, we got off to a slow start. Obviously, I think that they made the right adjustments that they needed to uh, coming out of halftime, but this was not a successful offensive team. We we have games against the Jets coming up, who have really looked good on offense since Mike White stepped in. We have uh, games against the Chiefs coming up, who have looked really good since Patrick Mahomes 
uh, got there and before that, since probably since Andy Reid got there. They have a very, very big, uh, good offense. And even though we, the 49ers are now looking at a quarterback change because of injuries, uh, their offense was still able to put up points in bunches uh, after Jimmy G went down this week. So as great as it is to see the, uh, the adjustments uh, kick in at halftime, we are not going to be able to afford to have a slow start on defense like this going forward because teams are going to put up enough points that it may be impossible to come back in the second half. Yeah, I agree with that too. And the 49ers have the number one ranked defense in the league and Jimmy Garoppolo going down doesn't change that fact. No. (laughs) In fact, it probably lights a fire more under the defense because they know they have to carry the team. Yeah, it's actually, it's worse because we'll probably see the defense more than we would have had Jimmy G been the quarterback because hopefully we're getting more three and outs on our defense, but that just means our offense is going to have to face them more often coming up, so. Double-edged sword. Having weapons is big. We have a huge weapon on special teams, and that's Michael Dixon. I think, what, his long punt of the day was 73 yards? Yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, the the man's got a, a, just, yeah, he, he can boot it. It's kind of a joke almost when we go to our position matchups and we get to special teams and we're like, well, we have Michael Dixon, so of course we win. You saw that in this game. He had punts that truly flipped the field. I believe it was the 73-yarder was the one where you're kicking out of our own end zone and he didn't even have the full 15 yards, 14, 15 yards that punters normally get to get that ball off. And he was still able to take that one all the way down the field it completely changed the momentum of the game in that situation. Yeah, I mean, you think, you know, if you're kicking out of your own end zone, you're hoping to get it past the 50-yard line. Uh, and he had that thing dang near their 20. So I, I don't think we can overemphasize how how important Michael Dixon is to the success of the team this year. It's a, You know, it seems like punter's this very small role, uh, but it is, uh, it, it is huge when you talk about in-game success to be able to flip the field like that. Wait, did did Adam just compliment special teams specialists? <clears throat> what? No, that must have been somebody else. So we, we've got some interference on the mic. Yeah, we, we have some uh, special teams appreciation interference uh, flag on the play. No, <laughs> I also need to shout out our special teams coverage units. Our young guys and special teams players were flying down the field. They were stopping returns. They were playing disciplined, staying in their lanes doing everything they needed to do. There are some great athletes that the Rams have. They have scary return specialists. And our coverage units shut them down. Yeah, I mean, they they, they were utilizing their return specialist in their run game, and he was gashing us for yards. Uh, so uh, kudos on our, our special team's uh, punt coverage team for, for containing him because uh, clearly he is a, a, a quick uh, twitch athlete. I do want to say one thing about special teams. Um, and I know this was because of injuries. Please stop sending Lockett out anybody else. Please stop putting Lockett out there. And the reason I say that isn't because I don't think that he can uh, do it or because I, you know, I, I don't think he's going to give us a spark or anything like that. But you look at the play where he got blown up uh, on his, on his, the first time he was out there for, for a punt return, which I still don't understand why there's no flag there. He, he was just standing there. I know he hadn't called for a fair catch, but he was not going to catch the ball. The ball, he was nowhere near it. He was the decoy there. And that, and that guy just came up and blew him up and, and no flag. Uh, and you can see him sitting on the ground, putting his hands up going, what's going on. But that's why I don't want to see Tyler Lockett out there on any kind of return because he can get blown up. Uh, he's not a big dude and guys are gunning for you. That's why they called him gunners. And I just don't want to see it. I mean, we know how 
I mean, look, he had 12 targets, nine catches, 128 yards, a touchdown in this game. Uh, the man is a dynamic receiver in our offense. Our offense does not look the same if he's not part of it. So stop putting him back there, Pete Carroll. I think they kind of panicked a little bit. We had put, put an offensive lineman out. I don't get somebody, anybody but Tyler <laughs> anybody Lockett. who can wave his arm and then run away from the ball. Right? Put Austin Blythe back there. No, you know what? Actually, no, not Austin Blythe. Put Gabe Jackson back there on kick returns. He's fine. We don't need him on the offensive line anymore. Stick him back there. No one's going to try and blow up Gabe Jackson. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to offense. Our offense had a day. And I, I know they had a day because really this first thing we need to talk about were the injuries that happened. Travis Homer didn't play. He had a knee injury and was coming off of that illness. They said, oh, everybody else is healthy. Let's just take questionable Travis Homer and rule him out and inactive for this game. Give him that extra week to recover. Not a good idea at the time. Yeah, but nobody foresaw what would happen right at the beginning of the game. And that was Kenneth Walker pulling up on his very first run from scrimmage. And it was a great run. It what, was like 25 yards, 30 yards. Pulls up a little bit at the end. Yeah, it's, it was described as a jammed ankle. I don't know what that is. I mean, I've jammed a finger before. I don't know how you jam an ankle. Uh, different kind of joint. We're gonna, obviously, we're still waiting to hear about what the what the uh, imaging tells us. You know, fingers crossed that this is not going to be an injury that keeps him out of the of any games this year. Because look, we really can't afford it. Speaking of the running back department, I do I do think it's important to say that we got some good news from uh, from Rashad Penny, who says that he thinks he he might be able to go uh, later in the year if the Seahawks make the playoffs. Man, I'd love to see that. I, I I think it'd be great to have him back out on the field. The man deserves it. Uh, so keep your fingers crossed to make the playoffs. And Rashad Penny is able to make a return. Yeah, that'd be huge. Later in the game, though, our now default starting running back, DJ Dallas, last play before halftime, comes up with an ankle injury himself. Limping, he had to be helped to the locker room as they're walking off on halftime. And I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, who do they have? Because I knew... That, that Tony Jones was actually active for this game because Homer was inactive. But then you look and they had nobody else. I mean, even Penny Hart, who had taken snaps in that tailback position during this year, was also inactive. Like, what are they going to do? They come back out. Tony Jones Jr., actually, I got to give him a ton of credit. He stepped up. He filled that role. He came in. This guy gets, I'm not going to say zero, but single digit offensive practice reps during the week. I, I, I'm not even going to say that. Certainly not with the first team. Well, yeah, just reps in general. Primarily a special teamer. He's in there to spell people when needed. And he stepped up. He did exactly what was asked of him. Sure, he made a few mistakes. People out there are going to lambast him about the interception that Bobby Wagner had uh, or the dropped pass in the fourth quarter on that little swing route. Hey, it happens. I got to give him credit for going out there, stepping up, doing everything they asked of him. So good job there by Tony Jones Jr. But yeah, we got to figure out what's going on with this running back room. That was a scary game for our running backs. Yeah, look, I've, I've said it before, and I, I know I know that you've uh, <laughs> you're, you're not not on board with this with me. But there is still a guy who lives in Seattle, who's played with this team, knows the offense because he was here last year, uh, had, was drafted by the Seahawks. His name is. Alex Collins, man, look, I, I, I realize that we have other guys 
on the team, uh, on the practice squad that we'll, you know we can elevate in an emergency. But I would much rather have a proven guy back there spelling uh, our boys than than someone like Tony Jones, uh, who uh, did fine. But I have to imagine that if Alex Collins had been back there, we would have had a much more effective run game. And we'll see what they do. Like I said, it all kind of depends on if Homer is fully healthy at the end of this week and what the additional tests reveal on Kenneth Walker's ankle. But because we had no running game, I'm actually going to give Shane Waldron a pass this week. He had no running backs, so it's hard to get a running game going when you have no running backs. I don't know. He could have taken a leaf out of Sean McVay's book and started running wide receivers. But anyway. I actually would have liked to have seen a few sweeps, yeah, like, me jet too. sweep sort of action just so that they still have to think about the running game. But Geno Smith had to carry the load and carry the load he did. He had 367 yards, which I believe was a career high for him. It was. Three touchdowns, that one questionable interception, and a quarterback rating of 116. I mean, Geno Smith was slinging the rock. Yeah, why is that significant that he had a quarterback rating of plus 100 this week? He could be Because he ties a franchise record, that's why. Uh, a franchise record held by uh, none other than Russell Wilson. Six games consecutive with a 100-plus quarterback rating. Yeah, Geno Smith uh, has uh, more than, than stepped in and filled the shoes of Russell Wilson uh, this year. Uh, he had an amazing game. Um, the, the, the man is on fire. Uh, the fact that he's not mentioned more when, we, when the MVP conversation comes up, uh, look, I get why, and we can we can get into that another time because I have just so many thoughts on it. But uh, the man's been dynamic. And I have to also give a shout out to our offensive line. The Rams knew we were one-dimensional. We were going to throw the ball because we had no running backs. The offensive line gave Geno Smith enough time to get the job done. He had a few plays where he had to scramble a little bit, buy some time. But for the most part, positive play out of our offensive line, which led to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both killing it in the receiving game. Yeah, I believe they were the first uh, duo in Seahawks history to have 125 plus yards and a touchdown in the same game, which is which is something. I mean, these you know, knowing that these guys have been together for two years, knowing the type of receivers we've had before them, it's yeah, mind blowing how good this duo is. Yeah, actually, we said it in the last episode. In fact, Adam, you're the one that said it. You wanted DK Metcalf to be decoy Metcalf. I did. And occupy Jalen Ramsey so that Tyler Lockett, Marquise Goodwin, and the other receivers could have a great game. And in the first half, it kind of looked like that was the case. But that second half, that was DK Metcalf's half. Look, he, he did the job I wanted him to do, which was occupy Jalen Ramsey. And he did it. He did it great. Occupied him. Uh, occupied him and dominated. Him. He, uh, I, I believe, uh, he had uh, five. Uh, sorry, he had five targets and five catches uh, when being covered by Jalen Ramsey. One of which was a touchdown. Yeah. So great game out of those two. Great game by Geno Smith. Our offense really won this game, which is sort of a, a change from Seahawks of old, where the offense did enough and the defense won the game. So good job for the offense. Good job to all those responsible for the offense and who participated in it. There are some injuries that we need to keep an eye on this week. Obviously, the running back injuries that we talked about. Even Tony Jones Jr. came out of this game a little banged up. So every single running back on our roster right now 
has some sort of injury. Marquise Goodwin went down in this game with an injury. He came back in, but we'll see during the week how that plays out. Ryan Neal went out of this game with an injury. And that was after Josh Jones went out with an injury earlier in the game. That's why we saw Tease Tabor out there on coverage at the end of the fourth quarter. Our depth was definitely tested across the board in this game for the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, this is going to happen as you get late into a season. Uh, but I, I think I was a little bit taken aback at, at how much our depth was tested across the board uh, on defense and offense. Um, luckily, we've got guys that have been able to step up. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> we won't need them to step up as much uh, with the, during the rest of the season because uh, the Ram playing the, the depleted Rams are one thing. Uh, you look at the rest of our schedule, and uh, we've, we've got some, some teams that we're going to be going up against that, that could really take advantage of a situation like that. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to need to win quite a few of these games coming up to really have that shot at the playoffs. The NFC East right now holds all three of the wild card spots for the NFC. Obviously, that's going to be shaken up due to just end of season division games. But we need to take care of business to make sure that we control our own destiny and get one of those wild card spots. If not, take out the Niners and go in as the NFC West champions into the playoffs. I was going to say, I just don't think we can afford to drop more than two games. Uh, you know, and I, I think I, I think we pegged those as either as the Kansas City Chiefs and either the Jets or the Niners. But we can't we, we have to win one of those three games. Yeah, the more I think about it, I think we have to win the Niners game. Adam, do you have any final thoughts on this week? I mean, I think we've really covered it. You know, I, it, it's nice to see us step up where we have. Uh, again, you know, this game, seeing a, a successful two-minute drive to, to, to win the game uh, or to, to, to take the lead, and then obviously seeing the defense step up and close the door, uh, especially after all the struggles they had early. Uh, there's a, so I mean, you, there, there's so many positive takeaways, and I know that when we do these kind of things, we like to point out what's what the team is struggling with, because I think it, it, it's a little bit easier to do that. And also uh, it, it's a way to kind of show, hey, this is what we need to fix. But uh, there's so many positive takeaways. I mean, this team just keeps getting better as the season goes on. I know we've had some down games, the Bucks obviously being one of them, uh, and and the Raiders. But even in the Raiders, when we put up a season high in points, uh, we continue to show signs of growth. And with the draft equity that we have in this upcoming draft and the co the coaching staff set going forward. Uh, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team in the next five years. Oh yeah, I agree with you. Positive things oozing out of this game. I like what I saw out of Geno Smith. I like that he stepped up, finally showed us he can show up in the clutch. He can close out a game when he needs to. He can carry the load when our offense is forced to be one-dimensional. I like what I saw out of our wide receivers stepping up against really decent competition. I like what I saw out of our special teams. I like what I saw out of our pass rush late in the game, our defense late in the game. Lots of good takeaways coming out of this. I agree with you. I think the future's bright. I think we need to focus on these last few games. I think we have to beat the Niners. We need to put no doubt in anybody's mind. We need to go out and win this division. And that's how I think we make the playoffs. We finish it off strong. That's what I got for this week. This has been the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. Thank you for listening to our reaction episode for our 27-23 win over the Los Angeles Rams. As always, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>